How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm your host, Nick English. Today we'll be talking about the Bills' 53-man roster, um, talk about some of the surprise cuts, a couple players who I thought probably should have made the team. Um, we're going to talk about Sam Reinhart and what his next potential contract could look like after this season when he's a restricted free agent. We're going to get into Niagara Hoops preview for their upcoming season in men's basketball. And we're going to be talking about the Buffalo Braves. As the Clippers just announced last week, they'll be bringing back the Buffalo Braves jerseys for their season um, for select games. So starting off with the Bills' final roster, um, there wasn't too many surprises. I think the big one for everyone was LaShawn McCoy. Um, I think a lot of fans appreciate all what LaShawn McCoy did while he was here in Buffalo. Um, his first three years were incredible. Um, we haven't seen a running back of his caliber in a Bills uniform probably since um, Thurman Thomas, and that's no disrespect to Fred Jackson or any other running back, but LaShawn's just a different breed in the backfield, the way he can move, um, cut on a dime, and just make plays happen. Um, I wouldn't say I was overly shocked. Um, I was definitely a little surprised with it. Um, personally, I wanted to keep him, as I talked about um, a few weeks ago in a previous podcast. Um, but if they really think Devin Singletary is going to be the guy going forward, um, then I have no problem with um, them having him be the lead back or complimenting him with Frank Gore. Um, I think it's important to at least have Gore there to have that veteran leadership presence in the backfield. Um, I'm still not a huge fan of TJ Yeldon, but he is a pretty good receiving back. So um, in the end, LaShawn McCoy ended up signing with Kansas City. So I think um, from both perspectives, I think LaShawn was probably a little frustrated that he got cut after being told he was going to be the guy. Um, I think a little, a lot of Bills fans were a little aggravated. They didn't try to make a trade sooner and try to get a little bit of value for him. But um, with that kind of money he was getting paid, on, I think the running back market kind of died down. Um, the only team they probably could have really trade him to would have been Houston um, just because of Lamar Miller's injury in the preseason. But um, other than that, a few names that I was a little surprised didn't make the actual roster it was Duke Williams and Eddie Arborough. Um, I thought Eddie Arborough had a monster fourth preseason game that coveted um, him to earn a roster spot. Um, I believe he had nine tackles going into halftime in that game. Um, he's been on the roster the past two years. He's always kind of been on that bubble. and um, I just think he's been around the organization long enough and proven that he's able to bring enough to the table that he deserves to be on the 53-man roster. Um, I think it's good we got him on the practice squad. And then Duke Williams is a little bit of a surprise. Um, when I did the roster breakdown um, a few weeks back also, I talked about Isaiah McKenzie earning that final wide receiver spot, uh, which he did. Um, but it is good that we did get Duke through um, to the practice squad after he cleared waivers. Uh, with Andre Roberts' injury, whoever, or we don't know how long he's going to be out. Be interesting to see if he gets any time um, in these first few weeks with the 53-man roster. Um, I really don't think he will. Um, and the biggest reason I think it's a little bit surprising is um, Zay Jones was kind of used in a lot of weird ways throughout the preseason. His name was rumored around being traded, and I've kind of jumped off the Zay Jones boat as of late. I just don't think he's the receiver the Bills thought he was going to be when they drafted him, um, especially because they wanted to see players um, do special teams, and I thought Robert Foster did a great job of that. The final few weeks, um, Duke Williams just a big body wide receiver, and then Isaiah McKenzie 
not only adds value in the passing game, but he can do things with um, reverses, and he's also a good special teams player in the return game. So I think that kind of made Zay Jones expandable, but in the end of the day, he did make the 53-man roster. Um, Lee Smith's a little bit of a question mark for me. Um, I know they brought him back on a three-year deal, and he's not an expensive deal at all, but um, I just think with the Titans they have between um, Dawson Knox and Tommy Sweeney, who they drafted, and then Tyler Croft, um, I didn't think they needed to have four tight ends on the roster. I know Lee Smith's a good blocker and good leadership role, but um, I think the young guys, Sweeney and Knox, showed enough throughout preseason and training camp that they could hold the workload of what Lee Smith's going to do for the overall impact, what he'll do for the entire year. Um, I'd be surprised if Lee Smith had more than five to ten catches throughout the whole year. Um, Part of me wonders if that's because um, Tyler Croft isn't going to be ready for week one, it looks like, so I don't know if they plan on keeping him, and then maybe they release a guy like that and promote a guy like Duke Williams um, to the 53-man roster, but um, we'll see in the coming weeks. Um, Corey Borquez is the final one for me. Um, I thought he had an awful preseason, honestly. He had two or three really good punts that were 55, 60 yarders. Other than that, he was ranging between 25 and 35. Um, I feel like a lot of people off the street could go out and punt a football 25 and 35 yards. Granted, might not be as accurate or have it quite the hang time, but getting paid millions of dollars to punt the ball, it's really their own job. Um, There's a few good um, free agent punters out there, including Marquette King, who I think the Bills should take a shot at. Um, But overall, looking up and down the 53-man roster as far as positions go, I'm not too surprised with um, two quarterbacks. Um, As I mentioned before, the four tight ends is a little surprising. They did keep six linebackers and five safeties, which is a little surprising to me. However, with the age of some of our uh, guys like Lorenzo Alexander and Poyd and Hire have been around for a while. Same with Kurt Coleman. Um, if anything happened to one of them, you want to have that depth there. Um, and the Bills did keep 10 total offensive linemen. Um, I think Beans made it evident that he's going to do anything he can to protect Josh Allen, whether that means rotating guys in weekly or just making sure we have um, extra guys on the 53-man roster just based on injury history and how bad our offensive line's been. Um, the past year um, so getting into Sam Reinhart um, going into his sixth year he's only 23 years old he'll be 24 in November um, he's increased in point totals each year since he joined the NHL um, he had a career high in assists and points last year at 43 assists and uh, 65 points which is a 15 point increase from the 2017-18 season um, as the season progressed when he moved to play with Skins and Ikes on the top line. Um, you could really just see his games really taking the next step to that next level. And even when um, Jack went out for a little bit with the injury and then, um, you know, they were kind of floating around lines at the end of the year and a little bit at the beginning of year two, um, Sam really showed he was capable of handling a line by himself. He can make others around him better. Um, he's one of the smartest players, not only on the team, but in the NHL. And it does help that he does have that ability to play both center and wing. Although with the Sabres, he's primarily been used as a wing player. Um, So currently, he's on the second year of a two-year $7.3 million contract. 
and he'll be a restricted free agent at the end of this year. Um, so thinking about what his next contract could potentially look like is a little interesting um, just because you don't know if the Sabres want to give him another bridge deal between that two to three year range, kind of another prove it. We want to see you keep producing and we'll give you a bigger contract after or if they'll be willing to pay him like they did with Jeff Skinner and Jack Eichel on those long-term deals. Um, if you look around the NHL, um, a few players that I looked at that you can compare um, a potential contract for Sam after this year um, come to two Arizona Coyotes, actually. Uh, recently, Clayton Keller signed an eight-year, $57.2 million deal. Um, he had 65 points in 2017 and dropped down to 47 points in 2018. So a little strange they're locking him up that long-term after almost a 20-point dip in point production. However, he is only 21 years old, so he has a bright future ahead of him. He's a very talented player. Um, Sam's only three years older than him. Um, and then another guy I looked at is Derek Stepan, who's signed a six-year hundred or six-year $39 million deal Excuse me, in 2015. Um, and the reason I have him on here is because if you look through the first 331 games of both of their NHL careers between Stepan and um, Reinhardt, Stepan had 82 goals and 149 assists for 231 points, while Reinhardt had 87 goals and 118 assists for 205. So about a 25-point differential, and Stepan signed that deal, as I mentioned, in 2015. So you think because there's a year difference, about three, four years, um, uh, the contract's going to probably be a little more inflated and increase um, for Sam. So if I had to guess an overall projection, I think the Sabres would lean more towards a six- to eight-year deal depending on how Reinhardt produces this year. If he produces anywhere he near did last year around that 65-point mark or if he goes above that, I think he's well worth that six- to eight-year contract. Um, not only because he's young, but also because that would pretty much establish your top line for the next six years to come. You know him and Jack Eichel are pretty much best friends, and they seem to get along with Skinner as well too. So locking those three up long-term, um, kind of have them as the face of your franchise while you're still trying to figure other things out between Middlestat and Thompson, those younger guys I think is important. So um, my final prediction is after this year, I'm going to guess a six-year deal um, worth $6 million annually. So six-year, $36 million deal. Um, like I said, if he produces above 65 points this year, I think that could be more into the seven million, seven and a half million mark. If he stays right around where he is, I think it's going to be between 5.5, 6.5, um, especially if he can hit that 30-goal mark for the first time in his career. Um, but I think playing with Eichel and Skinner is definitely going to help him there. Um, so now moving into Niagara Hoops preview. So, so far of the big four around Western New York, I've gone through Canisius and UB. Um, so this week we're going to talk about Niagara. Um, I think Niagara is a really intriguing team this year just because of the new coach, Patrick Beeline. Um, so for those of you that don't know, Patrick Beeline is the son of John Beeline, um, one of the greatest college coaches um, in NCAA history who recently actually just got named um, the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA. Um, his dad, John, coached at Canisius, actually, Michigan, Richmond, West Virginia, ECC, um, Nazareth, and then Lemoyne, where Patrick is coming from. 
Uh, Patrick coached at D1 and D2 level as well as the NBA level, um, which I didn't know before. Um, he was actually the um, one of the head scouts for the Utah Jazz um, for a few years. But he led D2 LeMoyne to three consecutive NE10 Southwest Division titles and three straight NCAA tournament appearances and was also a two-time coach of the year. Um, so I think that's a huge pickup for Niagara. They really struggled the past few years. And then they also got three really good um, new guys coming in. Kobe Nuandu um, from LeMoyne uh, is following Patrick Beeline. He averaged 16 points, uh, three rebounds, and two assists while playing there. Um, Nick McDonald, another guy that averaged uh, double digits in high school. And then one of the biggest signings that um, I think kind of went widely unnoticed was Noah Waterman, who's one of the best high school players in the country, but because of injuries, um, he didn't get really a lot of Division One looks, but he's going to Niagara. Uh, he averaged 33.9 points, 12.6 rebounds, 5 assists, and 4 blocks per game um, in high school. He's six foot ten. Um, he's pretty much described as a six foot ten point guard. So think about that. You kind of think of guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo, NBA, as far as like a comparison of what that might look like. Um, and they have some pretty big returners coming back. Um, James Towns and Marcus Hammond are really good young guys on their roster. And then Raheem Solomon, I thought, really turned it on at the end of last season. He put together a lot of strong games including a really strong game in the MAC tournament for them. Um, I think they're definitely one of the more um, interesting teams in the MAC conference. And the MAC's very up and down every year. You can't really tell who's going to be in that top part. Um, the past few years, it's been Canisius Ryder um, and Iona. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if teams like Monmouth, um, even Niagara and Siena, uh, if they move up to the top this year. Um, I think Patrick Beeline... Uh, it was a pretty coveted coach by a lot of people. Um, as a Canisius fan, personally, I wanted Canisius to go out and get him um, when they could, but they decided not to. Um, they're sticking with Witherspoon there. Um, but I think Niagara's definitely in good hands with Patrick Beeline. Um, I think because of his history and his um, ability to recruit, and as I mentioned before, his coaching at the NBA level with the Utah Jazz, I think that it's going to allow them to bring in more recruits um, for years to come, and I think Niagara is going to be in good position to potentially win a MAC title in the next three, four years with uh, Patrick Beeline at the helm. Um, and then finally, we're talking about um, the Buffalo Braves. So just recently, last week, um, the Clippers announced that for select games this year, they're going to be wearing uh, the Buffalo Braves uniforms, which I think a lot of fans in Buffalo have been kind of clamoring for for a while. Um, we haven't seen them do it in a long time. I think the last time I did anything associated with the Braves was around 2008. Um, and I think it's awesome just because it's the um, Clippers' 50th season overall, and there's a lot of other teams in the NBA that are bringing back throwback uniforms. Um, the Utah Jazz are bringing back their cool uniforms where they have the mountains on the jersey. Um, but I just think it's cool that they finally go back to um, the Braves, which is where the Clippers were originally from. Um, the Braves entered the league in 1970-71. They played eight years in Buffalo before they moved to San Diego, uh, where they stayed there for six years before they were eventually moved um, to L.A. and became the Clippers. Um, I think what most people think about when they think about the Buffalo Braves 
uh, especially here in Buffalo, is Bob McAdoo. Um, I think he's pretty much widely recognized as the greatest Buffalo Brave um, in history. Um, he won league MVP in 1974-75 season, where he averaged 34.5 points per game, which is incredible. Um, I mean, today's NBA, you see a lot of guys averaging in the high 20s, low 30s. So, um, But it's crazy because back then that probably wasn't heard of as much. Um, and then McAdoo eventually was traded to the Knicks and went on to do really well for himself in the NBA. Um, but I think it's a really good job by the Clippers in recognizing um, a target market in Buffalo. Just seeing that that's another demographic they can reach. And there's a lot of Buffalo um, basketball fans in the New York or Western New York. And I think a lot of people would love to have an NBA team here. I just don't know if they could really fund it or if they'd get enough attendance for it. Um, they do have a lot of good Division One college teams here. So I've been going through week by week with Niagara, Canisius, um, UB, St. Bonaventure. Um, you can throw in Syracuse and other teams in New York like St. John's. Um, and I think it'd be awesome if we have eventually got an NBA team back, but I don't know if that'll ever happen. But anytime the NCAA tournament comes to town, um, I've been to it multiple times um, in 2013 and 2017 or 18. Um, I got to see UConn when they had Shabazz Napier and they ended up winning um, the national championship. And then um, I got to see Wisconsin knock off number one seed Villanova. So that was really cool. Bronson Canning and Nigel Hayes. Um, but those games were always sold out. Um, so I definitely think that Buffalo has that fan base of basketball fans. It's just a matter of if they could financially support it throughout the course of a season and continue to do that year to year. Um, um, I do think it would be pretty cool if um, the Clippers worked out something where they could have them come and play at Key Bank Center for a game or two this season with those jerseys. Um, I think it'd be really interesting just because we do have Toronto right across the lake pretty much, um, not that far of a drive at all, or even a team like Cleveland. Um, I think if you could bring the Clippers in just for a game, um, I'm, obviously their revenue and stuff would have to be worked out because the Clippers would want some of that money that Buffalo would generate if they had that game. Um, and I do think it's interesting that they decided to go with, um, the white and like orange color jerseys and not the blue, jer like the light blue jerseys that a lot of fans probably remember. Um, but as I mentioned, it's a really smart marketing perspective from, uh, their, or the Clippers perspective, just because they do have a lot of great players now after they got Kawhi Leonard, um, the reigning finals MVP, along with Paul George, one of the best players in the world. They got a lot of other great pieces like Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. Um, I know I myself already ordered um, a Paul George Buffalo Braves jersey just because um, growing up I didn't get to experience the Braves. I'm a huge basketball fan, um, so I think it's cool to go out and get something a part of history in the 50th season for the Clippers. Um, but I think it's definitely awesome that they're bringing the jerseys back. Um, I think people not only in Buffalo but across the league think it's really cool um, to see that. I don't think they've announced what specific games um, they're going to be wearing them for, but um, from what I've read, it looks like they'll probably wear them between uh, four to six times throughout the course of the season. I don't know if that's actually accurate or not. We'll probably see um, in the up-and-coming weeks or months what they decide to use. They'll put out their promotional schedule pretty soon, but um, we'll definitely see when it comes up uh, what they decide to do. But, yeah, I think it's just awesome that 
they're going back in history. And I think it's cool that a lot of other NBA teams are doing the same thing as well. Um, and I think it'd be awesome if um, we could get a team back here in Buffalo. I don't know what it would take. I don't know if the Pakulas could get it done. Um, I think it would just be hard because if the team's not as good as a team like the Clippers or the Lakers or um, the Bucks, Nets, whoever it is, if it's a team like the Cavs or the Wizards who have really been struggling, I think it would be a hard sell for Buffalo fans just because we already have the Bills and Sabres who have struggled for so many years and kind of ripped out our hearts and souls each year as we try to make a playoff push and we haven't had in so long that I think fans might not be as accepting to a team if they weren't winning right away, especially for basketball because this is really a hockey and football city. Um, but it would be interesting to see in the future if um, we ever have a professional basketball team come back or even a G League team would be interesting for uh, even like Toronto or Cleveland, even though they have one in Toronto. Um, but so next week we'll be talking about a number of different things, some exciting topics. Uh, we're get in depth about Andrew Luck and his retirement. Um, we're gonna be talking about Antonio Brown um, and the whole saga that's been going on after they uh, the Raiders announced that they are gonna release him. Um, the Bills definitely dodged a bullet there, but we're kind of just break down that whole situation and what's next for him and um, is he right for doing what he was doing or whatnot. I'm going to tell you right now, I definitely don't agree with it. Um, we'll be talking about the U.S. Open. Uh, we'll talk about the who wins as that's going to be going on this weekend. Um, break down that, the aftermath of that. Um, talk about if Roger Federer is ever going to win another title after he lost. Um, whether Djokovic's injury was real or not. Um, and then we're going to be talking some NBA. We're going to talk about um, the rookies between Zion, R.J. Barrett, John Morant. Cam Reddish talk about all those guys and who I think is going to win. Um, NBA Rookie of the Year. But that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the show. Um, I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week, and I hope everyone tunes in next week. Thank you. Thank you.